0: Do you want to impact the world and still turn a profit? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to Growth Everywhere. This is the show where you'll find real conversations with real entrepreneurs. They'll share everything from their biggest struggle to the exact strategies they use on a daily basis. So if you're ready for a value-packed interview, listen on. Here's your host, Eric Sue. Today's episode of Growth Everywhere is brought to you by Single Grain. Single Grain is a digital marketing agency ran by yours truly that has helped venture-backed startups to Fortune 500 companies grow their revenues online. Single Grain covers services such as search engine optimization, Facebook advertising, Google advertising, YouTube advertising, content marketing, and conversion rate optimization. To learn more about Single Grain, go to www.singlegrain.com slash grow to learn about eight marketing campaigns that we've used in the past to help uh, clients grow, including the one that helped generate over 1,500% return on investment. Today's episode of Growth Everywhere is with John Miller, who is one of the co-founders of Marketo, which is one of the leaders in marketing automation uh, today. So there is, you know, John has a really interesting story. I mean, he graduated with a physics degree and then ended up uh, getting an MBA. So, you know, how those two uh, tie in together, you know, you'll find out during this interview. Um, he also has some, you know, some some thoughts around, you know, businesses, small businesses um, in particular, um, you know, starting with marketing automation and also uh, creating funnels as well. So a lot to learn from this interview. Hope you enjoy it. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's edition of Growth Everywhere, where we interview entrepreneurs and bring you business and personal growth tips. Today, we have John Miller, who is one of the co-founders of Marketo, which is one of the most popular marketing automation software tools out there. John, how are you doing today? I'm very well. Thank you. Great. Thanks for being on the show. Uh, John, so I, you know, the way you'd like to start these off is to hear a little bit about your background, and that's usually a loaded question, but uh, you know, I'll let you take it from there.
1: Sure. Well, you know, again, thank you for introducing Marketo. You know, we are the leading digital marketing software, and you know, we really focus on helping marketers succeed in the era of engagement marketing. So you know, my background, I've been in marketing technology pretty much my entire career. Uh, I actually studied physics in my undergraduate and almost went to MIT for a PhD, but kind of instead pivoted off into this whole marketing world. And 20 odd years later, I don't regret that fact, because I think that quantitative, analytical way of thinking really helped me to kind of become the marketer I am today, especially as marketing itself has changed to be more quantitative and and left-brained. Got it. Great.
0: So, so, can you describe Marketo to the audience for those that don't know? Um, it's probably not many of them, but with, you know, a good description is always good.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, it's all really you know centered on this you know idea that you know marketing's changed more in the last five or ten years than it did in the hundred before that. I mean, really, it's funny. You can go look at the history of Coca-Cola ads to, as a sign of how marketing has changed over the years. So, if you look at Coca-Cola ads from the 1900s, like the very beginning of the 20th century. It's just all about the product features, you know, come drink this beverage and it has these things in it. As it evolved to the twenties, they started talking more about how it was refreshing to the fifties where it started talking about how it would help you, you know, and so on. Right. But in this entire you know world where marketing was evolving, you know, it, it was relatively easy to reach your buyers and your customers, and it was relatively hard for buyers to find out information and products and services. That's so different today. Just in the last five, ten years, uh, because of social, because of mobile, because of digital, we all heard that before. You know, we've we've heard how much that's changed marketing, but that's really again just in the last five years or so that that's happened. So, you know, this this change in marketing is and how people this change in how people buy things. Has a very profound change and then how we need to market to customers and marketo is really sitting at the core of that providing the technology and the services that marketers need to thrive learn and and succeed with this new way of buying got it.
0: Yeah, you know, Marketo really makes marketing easy, right? You know, you have, you have if you're doing content marketing, inbound marketing, whatever, you know, Marketo, Marketo helps you track everything, helps you keep everything organized. Um, just, that's just a really simple way to put it. But, you know, you have your competitors out there, you know, there's, the, there's other marketing automation tools. And I, I guess my question at a very high level, how is Marketo different from HubSpot?
1: Well, HubSpot, you can see increasingly as they've gone through their strategy, is focused on serving the needs of very small businesses. Um, You know, the fact that they launched a CRM solution, right, shows that they're really trying to kind of just be that mile-wide, inch-deep solution for, you know, lots and lots of, you know, companies. And that's okay, right? There's There's a need for that. But we consistently see that as companies get to any kind of sophistication in their marketing, um, that they need they need more functionality, right? They need something that is not, you know, everything for everybody, but really is a marketing-first solution for marketers to do modern demand generation. And so, you know, people come to Marketo to, to do that more sophisticated uh, type of work. Now, what Marketo's always been really good at is balancing the power with ease of use, right? So what you don't want is to just take on a lot of complexity and need specialists just to kind of run your marketing software and I think that's sort of you know where we've always played.
0: Got it okay and how big is Marketo today whatever you
1: can reveal is fine. Um, well you should go look at our, our public filings for the latest and greatest we have a little north of three, five, you know, 3,500 customers. Got it
0: okay so how did you know in, in the early days how did Marketo get its first let's just say 100 customers?
1: You know, it was, you know, it certainly wasn't our network, our our personal networks. You know, a lot of times when companies get started, you know, that's what they do is they just kind of go sell to the people that they're selling. You know, we, we kind of practiced what we preached, you know, by the way, as a sidebar, I hate the phrase, eat your own dog food. We we drank our own champagne, I like to say. (laughs) Uh, And so what we did was we started with content. You know, I started writing our blog before we wrote the first line of code here at Marketo. And then by the time that we were actually ready to launch, you know, we had an audience of people who were listening to us who, who wanted to hear what we had to say. And then we scaled from there by just putting out more and more thought leadership and more and more best practices. Now, when you do that, you generate really good inbound flow. A lot of people come to you, but the problem is those people aren't actually ready to buy. They're coming to you because your content and not because they need your solution. And that's where then... We had to use our own technology to nurture those leads, you know, and to develop them over time. Um, I think the other thing that helped us a lot in the early days is the fact that we were not entering a, market, a brand market. You know, Eloqua was another company that was in the space, you know, selling to other companies. They were, And they were bigger than us. They probably had about 100 people or so. And so there was already some established precedent that people needed this kind of solution. Um, But, you know, the perception of Belico at the time was that it was expensive and it was hard to use. And so we were able to come in with a competitive positioning of being affordable and easy to use. And that combined with the awareness that we built with our content gave us a very strong competitive positioning to kind of get in and sell, you know, and his last point, it, it certainly didn't hurt along the way that the product actually worked. You know, that's kind of a, a good thing to have, too. Totally.
0: So when, when you first started your, your blog, you, you know, I, I guess how long, how long does it typically take for you to convert someone from a lead to a, to a paying Marketo customer?
1: Well, on average today, it's 327 days. Okay. Um, you know, and, you know, that's an average of some very, very fast. And then some others that have been in the system for uh, years. Now, an inbound lead that comes through our website organically or through our content moves a lot faster. You know, from when we first meet them to them becoming an opportunity, that's 170 days on average. Wow! Wow!
0: Why do you think it takes? Why do you think it? Why do you think it takes so long? I guess for, I guess. That's actually a terrible question. I'm gonna I'm gonna rephrase my question. So how do people get started you know doing this stuff? I mean obviously this is this is really important you know the, the you're saying you know I've read in one of your previous interviews that the, the market adoption for people using using you know marketing automation tools is still you know people are still picking it up so slowly. Why do you think it's so slow?
1: Um. So the question is, why is the adoption of marketing technology so slow? Yeah, clearly it's really important, right? I mean, you you
0: have these super long sales cycles, and people are just bad at following up in general. So you you know what, this is important, but why are people so? Why is well, the market so slow at adopting it?
1: I mean, it took CRM twenty years to get to you know the penetration that we see today. So, um, you know, I think that what is happening. Is that marketing automation is moving from um, being something sold or bought by early adopters into something that is more being bought by the mainstream and by pragmatic buyers. And I think as an industry, you know, that means that we all need to be better at sort of speaking to industry specific business problems uh, and talking more about the value and less about the functionality. But that's that's classic marketing 101. one.
0: When is it the right time for a small business to start adopting marketing automation tools?
1: Well, every business needs to communicate with their customers. Period. Stop. Right. So the, you know, the real question is, what kind of functionality do you need when? Because you know, can you get away with just sending emails out of Gmail? Right? <laughs> you know, potentially, that, that doesn't scale very much. Right. I, I really think about it along two different, or two different thought processes to think about it. You know, the first is just what's the volume of customers and prospects that you're trying to process, right? Because I think it's important to embrace the ideas of nurturing and not calling people before they're ready and those types of things. But if you're, if you're, if you only have 100 or 200 people in your whole system, you can do that manually. The problem is what happens when you have 1,000 or 2,000 or 10,000 or 100,000 or more, You know, I always, I always think of Lucille Ball in the chocolate factory is the image I get in my head of like the chocolates move kind of slowly, no problem, right? It's easy. then they start moving faster and faster and faster and you get more and more leads, right? And if you don't have the right time to support it, next thing you know, you're shoving leads down your dress and in your hat and it's, it's a big mess, right? So, so the first thing is just, you know, the right time is when the flow of your leads starts to get too much that you can do it manually. The second point to make is the fact that, you know, despite the phrase automation and marketing automation, you know, this isn't a technology that you just plug in and have it just automatically work. This is a technology you actually have to use. The more you put into it, the more you get out of it. And that's not because the tool is complicated. It's just you need to tell it to do the marketing that you want to do. And so I find that most companies... You know, you want to at least have a person who's 100% dedicated to marketing before you have the bandwidth really to invest in using the technology enough to get the value out of it on the other side. Right. So that could be a 25 person company with one marketer. It could be a four person company with one marketer. But in both cases, there's a full time marketer.
0: Got it. It also sounds like this this marketer, this one marketer, needs to kind of be a, a jack of all trades, because you you know you can't really get anywhere without the the content going on and you know the, the the other aspects tied into it, right?
1: Well, sure. When you only have one marketer, that marketer has to be able to do everything in marketing. You know, it's like any ont- to find. you know, like any entrepreneur. Right, you start a company and you have all the hats on, and as you grow, you take the hats off and hand them to other people. Got it. Cool. So what
0: are you, what's one thing Marketo is doing today that's unique in terms of user acquisition?
1: Well, I don't necessarily think that we are um, doing anything unique per se. Um, I think we're just really good at running our machine, Uh, you know, with a very wide top of the funnel, to generate new names. You know, we're very good at nurturing those names until they're ready and scoring to identify when they're ready to go to sales and then following up efficiently and appropriately. Now I will say that um, the the content and the the nurturing and kind of all the things that we do that are brains oriented and not budget oriented you know, where it's people and time, you know, accounts for 58% of all of our pipeline. So 58% of everything we close is kind of driven not by spending program dollars, but by having people do stuff and thinking and being smart, uh, which is really important. Now, meanwhile, if that's the only thing we did, we'd only be 58% of the company we are today. So then it's also important to be doing the paid things to get the other 42%. In that category, the best things that we're doing are paid webinars, pay-per-click, um, sponsored emails to help build our database, and so on. You know, Maybe one thing that we're doing that, again, it's not unique, but we're really, really good at is measuring the ROI then of specific programs. Uh, turns out that only 63% of the email programs, the paid email programs that we run, achieve a positive ROI for us,
0: mm.
1: you know, and that's because we're always trying new stuff. Right. But, but, you know, so, you know, email paid, you know, these sponsored emails work for us, but the key is that the fact that we can identify the 63% that work and, you know, stop doing the 37% that don't work.
0: Okay. Now for the people out there that don't understand how to track, you know, the, the ROI of email marketing really well, what, you know, what tools are you using in there? Is this built internally? Or I'm just trying to familiarize with it. We have a really awesome tool called Marketo that helps you using us- your own tool. You're drinking your own champagne. Exactly. Got it. Cool. Just making sure. Um, so you, you, you alluded to a little, uh, you, you talked about a funnel earlier. Can you explain that funnel? Because I do remember you talking about it in another interview.
1: Well, so the funnel, our, our, we, you know, we, we like to think of it as the revenue cycle. A lot of companies talk about a sales cycle, but we apply that same rigor to every step of the process. Our funnel is broken up into three main stages. So we talk about tofu, which is, you know, top of the funnel, awareness and, 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 and new names. And our joke internally is that we, we don't want our tofu to be bland. So you got to run interesting campaigns and have interesting content. Uh, MoFu middle of the funnel is how you develop a raw name into being a sales ready uh, lead. Uh, And then Bofu, bottom of the funnel, is when sales is actually engaged. You know, the key idea in the funnel is the fact that when somebody first responds to one of your campaigns, they, they throw a business card into a bowl at a trade show or they download a white paper, that that has very, very, very little to do with the fact of them being a qualified lead for your salespeople today. You know, they may not be the right person. They may not be the right company. And even if they are the right person in the right company, again, throwing the card in the bowl at the trade show doesn't mean that they want to buy your products today. And so you have to have a disciplined process for filling in that gap between when you meet them and when they actually are sales ready. Okay. Okay.
0: You talked a little bit about, you know, developing interesting content. Can you give me, can you give us an example of something, you know, an interesting piece of content you guys have done recently?
1: Well, Marketo's, you know, but the best, the best known content we create is our definitive guide series. So definitive guides are, you know, hundred pages long books that we publish and give away for free. To be honest, they're highly visual; um, they're easy to read and scan through. But you know what we take very seriously is that they are definitive. Right? These are not commercials from Archetto, These are. Meant to be the single best resource you can find on any given topic. There have been over two hundred thousand views of my definitive guide to marketing automation. Right? If you search for marketing automation, it's one of the top things that come up. And if you read this thing, you know it. it you'll you, you'll see it. It is, you know, everything you need to know about buying marketing automation. You know, and there's a tire and a grand total of one paragraph about why Marketo is the right one. So, you know, we just launched uh, this week in early November, a, our latest one in the series. I think there's a total of eight or nine now, but the, the latest one in the series is the definitive guide to engaging content marketing. So it's everything you need to know about how to plan, produce, design, publish, and measure your content.
0: Now, how long does it take to finish one of these definitive guides and you know what kind of costs are involved for people that want to do things like this.
1: Well, costs are, rel- are are relative, right? I mean, the cost is it's people's time. So it's a trade-off then of them working on other things. In general, I think in today's world, big, meaty, linkable, serious content performs better than lots of small, tiny throwaway content. You know, so I'd rather have a hundred page definitive guide than, you know, five or six or seven e-books, you know, if you will. And it's that's probably kind of about a comparison for the effort, you know, of, you know, in terms of what it takes to, to do one of these things. So it's an opportunity cost of the other stuff you're not doing as opposed to the cost of, you know, what, you, what you're actually spending. It takes us, you know, probably on the order of two months, you know, some Somebody working fairly disciplined on the content for two months and another month to design it properly, got it
0: now, in terms of sales to date, do you have any like any ballpark figures as to how many sales your guide has produced
1: uh well, n- nobody buys our product just because they download one guide, right you know I mean it's gonna be on average seven interactions to get a raw customer into to be. Into be a a lead, so you know I wouldn't you know you would never say the guide produced X you know sales. You could say I allocate or I attribute a certain amount of revenue, you know, to it. And I don't have that number off the top of my head, but you know, it, as I, I the number I did say earlier is 58% of all of our pipeline comes through these Yes. You know, the con well, not the guides just alone, but the content and the awareness and the inbound and the nurture and that kind of whole machine working together. Got it
0: okay now I want to switch gears here you know the the marketo Institute can you tell us a little bit about that
1: Sure so this is my most recent project that I'm working on you know as the founder of marketo I'm sort of fully focused hundred percent as the executive director of the marketo Institute. This is something that we wanted to do since the very beginning of starting the company you know we think that marketers are not being trained at school or anywhere on how to do This, you know, modern engagement marketing that you and I have been sort of talking about. Mm -hmm. And so the absence of learning how to do it, it's marketers are like casting about, you know, trying things, going on tribal knowledge, making guesses. And so we want to be able to educate marketers and empower marketers with really fact based insights, quantitative research that tells them you know, what is actually working and, and and why? And we can do that primarily or first and foremost by doing the quantitative analysis on the aggregate anonymous Marketo customer data. We have 3,500 companies in 20 industries in 36 countries who use Marketo as their marketing system of record. And in aggregate, that is a probably the best data set of its kind. For answering those kinds of questions.
0: Okay, what's the ultimate goal behind the, the Marketo Institute?
1: Well, as I said, it's to educate and empower marketers, you know, to create a more educated workforce to, you know, make marketing better. I mean, that is the goal. I mean, will it create some brand awareness for Marketo and will it create more potential customers in the future? Sure. But the goal is one of education and empowerment.
0: Got it. Okay. Just wanted to make sure that there was some kind of uh, that it was was kind of tied to Marketo in a way. Okay, great. Now now switching gears again, right here. Can you tell us about one big struggle you faced while growing the business?
1: Um. Well, you know, our very first product at Marketo was not marketing automation. Our first product we launched in 2007 was a pay-per-click bid management. Mm. solution you know you would you know find your keywords and t- a b test your ads and manage your bids and then that tied to the landing page builder that is part of our product today you know the, this, part of our founding vision for marketo is that marketing software should be as easy to buy as google adwords um you go to the website you type in a credit card number your ads start running and we wanted marketo to be like that And so this very first product that we had, you know, was self-service. You just came and you signed up for a free trial and you plunked down your credit card and you got a login and it started going. The challenge with doing that, at least for marketing technology, is that people don't know, they certainly didn't know then, about what to do (laughs) with the technology you know, and so it was like it was like somebody opening up Excel for the first time and not knowing what to do. They're just they just it just looks like a bunch of rows and columns. You're know, like, how is this a powerful piece of software? Um, and so what we realized is that we actually had to put some barriers in the way, not big ones, but some, to make it a little harder to buy. So that way, when somebody ran into a bump, like, huh, I don't know what to do with this, that they were at least had enough skin in the game and investment that they're going to go figure it out, you know, if you will. That was a really important lesson in our early days, you know, that sometimes making something be more expensive and a little bit harder to buy can actually lead to more success. Got it. So you, you by doing that, you've added an educational portion to it and the tire kickers are kind of just out. Uh, well, again, if you are spending $1,000 a month and you have a three-month commitment, so now you're 3000 bucks in, right, which isn't very much, right? But now just compare that to something that you're on just a totally free trial, right, and you log in and something seems hard. If you're on a totally free trial, you're probably like, all right, not so excited. I'll go work on my other 29 priorities. But if you've got a 3000 or or 5000 or whatever thousand commitment, and it's a little hard, again, not because the technology is hard, but the, you don't know what to do with the marketing, you're going to go figure it out. Right. And so we always had the education, we always had those other things, but now there's more incentive to actually go and embrace it. Got it. So, what was the process behind deciding to, to make that big switch?
0: I mean, obviously, that's a, that's a big change. I mean, how did you guys go about as an executive team, you know, deciding to, to say, hey, let's all of a sudden let's up it to like a, you know, enterprise level pricing?
1: Well, again, enterprise-level pricing is different, but... Um, we'll just say higher pricing. Yeah, I mean, moving off of self-service pays you go on a credit card. Um, I wish I could tell you it was like a really great, thoughtful analysis or something like that, but it turns out that our CEO, Phil Fernandez, has a superpower and that he is incredibly intuitive and almost always right, uh, <laughs> which is true. And, you know, I think that partly comes just from... Being as experienced as he is and as smart as he is, so he saw that this was the right answer. And you know, I'll be honest; I didn't totally agree at the beginning, but it was—he was absolutely right about it.
0: That's an interesting—that's such <laughs> an interesting <laughs> phrase. I mean, to work with someone that is almost never wrong. I mean, how do you, you know, how do you, how do you be, deal with that challenge?
1: It <laughs> Can be really annoying. Yeah, you, you know, especially if you're used to being right a lot.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, because you're a physicist, right? You went to, you went, I think you went to Harvard and you went to Stanford, right? You have your MBA too. So I imagine it's not easy for you to just back down.
1: You know, we've had our arguments, and you know, but ultimately we've made a good company out of it. So
0: pretty good company. Uh, was there at any point in time where the company was on the brink of failure?
1: Fortunately, no. You know, honestly, um, you know, it almost didn't get up and running. You know, back in 2006, when we were trying to raise venture capital, marketing technology had a very bad reputation. You know, you know, VCs couldn't f- understand, how do you make money if you don't sell seats? Uh, and they looked at a bunch of other old non-SaaS marketing technologies that frankly didn't re- give a good return to their investors. So we had a really hard time convincing people to sign up and write a check. And we needed the capital back then. Uh And so the, you know, the the thing that really broke that is we finally met a VC. uh, It was a guy named Bruce Cleveland from InterWest. It was his first week on the job. Uh, And before that, he'd been uh, executive at Siebel and had been their CMO for a while. So talking to him didn't feel like talking to a VC. Talking to him felt like talking to a marketer. And he got it. And was able to sort of see, see, make the leap to, to understanding the value of the investment. But, but that, that was essential to getting up and running. Got it.
0: Okay. What's one productivity hack you can share with the audience?
1: Productivity hack. Um, you know, I read an article, I forget when or where, but it, it talked about the fact that time is not the most precious commodity that we have. Mm-hmm. It's actually our energy. Uh, you know, you, you there's only 24 hours in a day. And so, you know, kind of working more, which is what most people do, is, is usually not the best, you know, answer. Um, and so you get into this all like, well, manage your time and whatnot. But I actually think what you, you know, the prediction hack is manage your energy, right? At least for me, you know, an hour of being really alert and focused, you know, can be way more productive than four hours when I'm, Sluggish, you know, if you will. Right. And at its core, that comes down to, you know, what we all know we should do, which is get enough rest, take care of ourselves, get some exercise, take breaks, uh, you know, go for a walk and that kind of thing. And so, you know, I'm, I'm trying to embrace that more and more myself, you know, which is not being lazy. It's actually trying to optimize my energy for productivity. And I think as a manager, it, it it's important to kind of understand the same thing too. Right, we tend to manage our employees for their time, and instead, we should be thinking about how to manage our employees for their energy. Right, right.
0: I mean, the, the more energy that you have, you're going to get more value out of that. The time they spent, right? You know, with that little burst. Exactly. Okay, what's one must-read book you'd
1: recommend to the audience? Um, I really enjoyed the hard thing about hard things recently by Ben Horowitz. Uh, you know, it's it's funny because. But well, you know, it is the closest thing to just a step-by-step instruction manual for a startup CEO. You know, like do this, do this, do this, don't do this, and you know, there's, there's almost I, I'm not aware of anything else. You know, like it. You know, in terms of the, literally, like how should you give people titles, and and what should you do if your friend, you know, you want to hire somebody from your friend's company, and I mean, just all these very practical things. It's I, I was sort of struck by the fact that it seems to be written for a very small audience of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for that very small audience, it's invaluable.
0: I'll tell you what, you're the 14th guy to say that on this show and there's only been 54 episodes. So it's really high, <laughs> really high conversion yeah. rate for him. Yeah. For Ben Horowitz. Um, so final question here. What's, what's the best way for people to find you online?
1: Uh, I'm at johnmiller.com.
0: Okay. Johnmiller.com. Everyone, this is John Miller, one of the co-founders of, of Marketo. I highly recommend that you guys check it out. If you guys look, are looking to really scale your business Um, John, thanks so much for doing this. All right. Thank you. All right, cool. So I will, um, I'm going to drop you an email. My assistant will send you an email, um, to send both of you, you and Stephanie, a t-shirt. Um, we'll get your size as well, but, um, I'll let you know when this goes live.
1: All right. Sounds good. All right.
0: Thanks. Take care. care. Bye. If you're interested in growing your revenues online and you're tired of ho-hum agency work, then it might be time to check out Single Grain. Single Grain is a digital marketing agency ran by yours truly, that has helped venture back startups to Fortune 500 companies grow their revenues online. Check out Single Grain at www.singlegrain.com grow to get a free resource on eight marketing campaigns that we've used to help companies grow their revenues online, including the one that drove over 1,500% return on investment.